Hello, welcome to Mended Teacups. Helen and I are sitting um, here in our separate homes um, with our cups of tea and our woolly jumpers today as well. It's gone a bit cold, ready to talk about some of our homemade experiences. So Helen, would you like to introduce us to what we're going to be chatting about today? Yeah, sure. Well, actually, Molly, you're going to do a lot of the talking today because our topic is dyslexia. And I know there's quite a few home educating families who have experienced that. It's not not really in my remit, but um, I know you've got some experience and I know you've got some good tips and advice and encouragement to pass on. So really, my job is to help you tell everybody what you found about dyslexia in your family. And um, first of all, you've got four children, so they're not all dyslexic, are they? No, our two of them are dyslexic. Um, and what's interesting is what of the two that are dyslexic, one is our child by birth and one is our child by adoption. And how, how did you first notice it? Was it the same, did you notice it sort of the same way for both of them or did, was the fact that you had already had one experience make the other experience sort of different? Yeah, no, I think both actually with our son, we noticed, I think we noticed fairly early on, my mum is just slightly dyslexic. So it was something that was always in a little bit in my radar. And we noticed, I think he was a bit, how do you say, ambidextrous with his knives and forks and things to begin with. And then the, but the big thing came definitely for him when I started teaching him to read. And whereas his older brother had, it had been fairly straightforward, I could see for him, it was really, really difficult. And I have to say, I don't think I was always very encouraging. I think our daughter's definitely got a better deal out of me than uh, in the early years than our son did, because he's also just a larger than life, very bouncy character. And I, part of me also just to think, well, maybe he just can't do it. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it. He'd actually just rather be kicking the ball out outside. Um, so I wasn't always as sympathetic as I could have been, but actually I did, I did think that probably it was dyslexia because it just seems to be so difficult for him. And then with our daughter, yeah, again, we noticed the knives and forks eating, you know, left-handed, right-handed kind of thing. And the, she, I think she's probably more dyslexic than, my well, son is on the, the, the severe side of the seesaw, but I think possibly she, she struggles even more. She's got a bit of a kaleidoscope of other learning issues as well. So that probably plays into it, but she definitely also finds it really, Quite, it, you know, it's the learning to read and the short-term memory and being able to decode things, which you know she finds really difficult. The same as her big brother did. So, when you discovered that they were dyslexic, was that kind of a self-diagnosis that you did, or did you get any support? Did you get any sort of extra outside influence on that? No, we um, got some. We got. We went to the Bristol Dyslexia for our son actually, and had him. In those days, we were told that you kind of couldn't really tell till they're about eight. I think the advice is slightly different now. Um, so we took him when he was eight and he was absolutely through and through dyslexic. So that, that was actually really helpful. And with our daughter, because she's got quite a mixture of other sort of learning issues as well, uh, I'm actually not sure she'd even be able to sit through a whole assessment at the dyslexia centre because it, you have to be able to concentrate for quite a long time. Um, so we were just in the process of trying to find out somewhere for her to be assessed and then COVID hit. So one of these days you will, but I'm actually using the same programme that we use for our son. So it is expensive having having an assessment. So, so it is something that families need to weigh up. Yeah. Would you recommend having an assessment? Do you think that's 
was helpful for you as a family? Because some people kind of want to avoid that thing of having a label. I, I don't know what you what you think about that. No, I yes, and I can and I can can completely see that. I think I think it's only helpful if it's going to lead to some practical help, if that makes sense. So something that you're not already doing. So, for example, if you have two children that are dyslexic, and the first you've so therefore the first one you know what you're doing with in a sense, and you've got all the programmed ready, and you know what to look out for, and you you've kind of got a a, a hang of the different way of learning because it is a different way of teaching, a different way of learning. Then you know you you may not need that specific diagnosis because I think you but just simply because it's expensive, and you know if someone was going to pay for it, I'd go for it every time. But actually, you do have to weigh up, don't you? I think where it comes where you do need an assessment, though, is when you hit GCSE years, because you need an assessment in order to get um, extra time and be able to get a scribe as well for exams. So, yeah, so that's when you certainly need something. And when you had worked out that they were, did you tell them that they were dyslexic? Do they know, did they have that knowledge straight away or did you leave it a bit? Yeah, no, we kind of talked about it right from the start, really, you know, when you know, our son was struggling with reading, but say, I wonder if you're dyslexic kind of thing. So it was it was right, right from the start. So and obviously, by the time we went for the because we went to a dyslexia centre, um, they were fantastic. And they, they talked very positively about dyslexia, which is how we talked as well. You know, we, we used to say to him, you know, it's like it is it's like a gift. Because actually, although although you find reading and writing really difficult, there'll be other things which actually you can do way better. You know, like he very much thinks out of the box, um, which can be frustrating for him because other people can't necessarily get his line of thought kind of thing. But it does mean he's has good problem solving um, abilities because he does things differently. He thinks differently. And, you know, a lot of people who are dyslexic, you know, are, are very creative. You know, they're very very empathetic um they, they may be very were very good at other things and i think a lot of people who are dyslexic their character they will build a huge amount of kind of resilience and perseverance and certainly for him because he's had to persevere so much just simply to to attain what his peers would be attaining just by you know easily he he really does have a lot of perseverance and he's got a lot of resilience as well you know he's had lots of knockbacks and um, and he's had to pick himself up and start all over again. He's he's got a level of character and maturity which, if he wasn't dyslexic, he might not have had. So there are there are absolutely positive things about it as well. And we've really tried from the start to say, you know, this is this is just part of who you are. You know, as a as a Christian, you know, you're made in the image of God, and this is part of it. And you know, in our in our world now, we're, we're so much have to be all of us kind of put in a box. We're supposed to think the same way and <laughs> all supposed to read at the same time and all supposed to <laughs> like the same things. And, you know, and actually we're all different. And, you know, I don't want to put our two vibrant children into into a box, you know, because they have both of it. Each of our dyslexic kids have just such amazing. They're both very bubbly, bubbly, personable personalities. They're very people, people, both of them. You know, and I don't want to put them into a box. And, and they, sure, they find some things difficult, and that is hard. But actually, they, they do other things just so easily, they don't even think about it because it's something that they're very good at, and they just don't even think about it. They're natural gifting. Yeah, so that describes some of the, the approach that you have. It's a very, seems to me, a very positive approach and um, a very all-encompassing approach. 
I mean, we've talked about this on our podcast before about home ed being about that individual child, isn't it? Playing to their strengths, whatever their strengths may be. And they may have difficulty. Any child might have some find some things harder and some things easier and some things they like and some things they don't. And that, that's what we all, you and I both love about the home ed lifestyle, isn't it? That we can develop those things, encourage them where they find it harder and develop them where they're interested and find it easier give them that ability to fly in those areas isn't it and but obviously looking out for the bits that they need that extra support when you thought okay now I know this is the issue what what sort of steps did you take what were your your initial steps to move forward now we know that you're dyslexic here's what we're going to do well I didn't initially with our son and I I think I should have done but um but actually you learn I didn't initially when we found out start him straight away on a dyslexia program I think it took another year or so before I decided to invest in it and again it is something whatever you do it just does cost money doesn't it and you know you you just have to weigh up what you do and what you don't do he started typing I'm learning to type touch type and because I think that's a really useful thing to do um, but we did then start him on the, um, the we used the Nessie program. There's another one called Toe by Toe, uh, which I know people have used very successfully. Um, and there are other ones too, but this one was developed by the Bristol Dyslexia Centre. You know, it doesn't work for all kids because they're all different, but actually for him, it's worked really, it worked really well. Um, and it's a very, very different way of learning. So I've had to learn alongside him. Part of it was on the, com- on the computer. They were kind of computer games you could play. They're all very slow, not fast, because if you're, I went to a study day once about dyslexia and, um, and they said, right, we're going to start with comprehension. And I thought, oh, great. I love comprehension. You know, <laughs> this is, this is, I'm, I'm confident here. This is fine. <laughs> if it was algebra, I'd be a bit wobbly, but comprehension is fine. <laughs> so they gave us a bit of paper and it was in another language. And I was just like, looked at it and thought, I don't speak this language. <laughs> and we all had to sit there for five minutes to try to answer these questions and I couldn't understand the text. I, I couldn't understand the questions. I, you know, I had a vague bash at guessing at what some things might have meant because it had a vague resemblance to English. And she said, you know, that's what it's like for many, many children who are dyslexic. So therefore we can't, ex- if we think of how, what, how, what we do to learn a different language, it's a much slower process and it is to learn our own native tongue. So therefore, it's a very different approach to teaching dyslexic children English. The, the program we used involves lots of games, huge numbers of games, which to begin with, I thought, oh, well, this is just kind of playing games. But actually, they need to do it. So I've had to learn. I've had to learn a lot, you know, to slow down a lot. It's a lot of repetition, um, just building up bit by bit and then going back and, and learning again. One of the problems with dyslexia is they, it, they have a very short-term memory. And so seeing different sounds like an S and an H together most kids could learn that pretty quickly, so her sound shh, um, and they'll just remember that. Whereas actually for a dyslexic child, it's that de- it's that short-term memory, they just suddenly forget it. And so they'll see it again the next day and they'll think, ah, we've seen that before, I don't know what it is. And then the next day they'll say, ah, ch, 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 it's a ch sound. No, no, it's a sh sound. Mm-hmm. So it really is, it's painstaking, painstakingly slow. Yeah, so so that's so. But we basically did start in, on a on a dyslexia program, and I would certainly recommend that getting some something that that suits your child and suits you, um, because it is a different way of learning. And then kind of just go from there, and just lots and lots of encouragement. You know, again, I've learned 
just you know just at every tiny little thing you know give them wow that's amazing well done because they really need that and also short short sharp bursts actually the the charlotte mason approach is it's quite good it's kind of short lesson because often the concentration span isn't that long allowing them to move is really important something to fiddle with or oh, actually something with my daughter i generally sit and learn on the floor with her because she just has to get up and move around and turn somersaults and roll around and <laughs> Um, and, and I just have to go with it. I think that might have answered some of the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, while, while you were talking about that, I was just thinking, what about siblings? Because I was thinking some siblings would find that hard, letting their sibling take a lot longer, letting their sibling move around more, letting the, you being really super excited about, you know, that they've, they've decoded a word which their older sibling knew straight away and they don't think much of it. And, you know, and giving them the wow moments and those encouraging terms and the other sibling just going, oh, they just read one word. What's that about? Um, I, I, what, what, can you speak into that? Is that, was, was that an issue in your household? Oh, you're very perceptive. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, it has been actually. Um, I think with the, the two younger ones rather than the two older ones, um, I think our oldest son is just very chilled anyway. The boys are quite close in age, only 21 months between them. And so we used to do a lot of our learning, our kind of sofa time learning together anyway. You know, in the mornings we'd just sit and, and you know, read and do all, the, all, that, all that together. Um, and then when we came to, to writing it out, you know, the older one would write something and the younger one would just do a few words and draw a picture or that that wasn't probably too much of an issue with them and because they're quite secure children and he's very chilled out big brother it was fine to be honest but it definitely been an issue for the for the younger two for the girls um and that that issue was exactly what you said you know a huge amount of praise for just doing one small thing and and the amount of time that that's needed as well but I, but i would say with the time that actually there are seasons and often you know you invest time in one child for a particular period of time and then you move on and then that time is invested in another child and you know you've got until they're 16 or 18 or however long you've got until you know they move away from education elsewhere and you just have to see it as a long-term thing i think they're not all going to get a huge amount of focus all the time but they wouldn't at school would they they'd be one of 30. yes and that, that's about parenting and family isn't it and relationship building and encouraging and having those quiet conversations with the other child at times isn't it to, to yeah to try and help them understand that they do they do understand when you talk to them really in their heart of hearts that they and their siblings have different requirements from your from you and different amounts of your time needed don't they but I suppose sometimes it can grate at the moment like all of us we're all people aren't we and we all have our <laughs> have our moments did you find that you got any support? Did you did you go out and about for support? You've talked about the Bristol Dyslexia Centre. Was there any any other places that you could get support from? There are different kind of Facebook pages and um, you know uh, I guess websites for information. Um, my very kind aunt, in fact, paid for lessons for English lessons for um, our son. And actually, even though he's now got his GCSE she's actually still continuing to have lessons and so once a week and that was invaluable and particularly at, and she was a it was just it was amazing I have to say it was a real answer to prayer because I was thinking how am I going to get him up to the dyslexia centre because we don't live in Bristol you know once a week what am I going to be doing with the other three you know how, how just how is that going to work 
and it just happened to be a lady who had worked at Bristol Dyslexia Centre and she had then, she lived near to us and she had um, had two children and she was now not working up there because of the trouble. So, um, so she was looking for a bit of work. So that worked brilliantly. She used to come to our house um, once a week and give him a lesson, which was found absolutely fantastic. And she basically worked through to the end of sort of the, the, the Nessie program. Um, and then she had to stop uh, for her own reasons. And, um, and amazingly, another um, teacher has come into our lives who is just also amazing and just spot on. Um, and he, he's very experienced at taking students through GCSE. So uh, our son did actually sit the GCSE through college. So he had some lessons there, but actually also had support lessons at home. And now he's got the GCSE, but he actually, he loves English. You know, he's, a, he's really good with words. He listens to audible books like There's No Tomorrow. He's been listening to War and Peace all over, all over COVID. So I've never listened to War and Peace. I don't even know what to ask him. And actually, that would be my big, big tip. So I'm diverting slightly. But um, the big tip is to listen, listen, listen. Get them to read as much as possible. Of read, listen, if you read to them as much as possible. And then to, to get an Audible subscription and to just listen, listen, listen. Because it means then that the language going into their brain, that that's what's important. So they've got that language in. They may have difficulty decoding it. But actually, they've got that language going in. And actually, both are dyslexic children are very good communicators so yes so we did get support from a teacher which 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 was great which were you know really fortunate to be able to do and I know you know some people do can and can't and and I'm sure there are other things but there's not a huge amount out there but there is some there is some is there any council support learning um you know government support at all no no there wasn't actually no so yeah I haven't found any <laughs> unfortunately do you have a do you have a, a dream list of the i the ideal world what what you would have liked to have been offered for support wise because in fact it's funny with getting support from outside because as home educators we've taken on the mantle of bringing up our own children our own way and educating our own children our own way um and every now and again we get questionnaires what you know what support would would you like to be offered and sometimes you think well actually i'm i don't want support because actually i'm doing this my own way but was was there anything that you wished you could have accessed at times yeah I mean I it, you do need I think it's the assessment actually I, I I do think having an assessment if it leads to something that is practical then I do think it's it, you know it's really helpful because because any, I could have been going down the wrong track for ages trying to teach him the way I was teaching his older brother and actually that just helped him so you know it is it is where plugging into an expert really really helps um, someone who is an expert in their field and actually he did also have some lessons for a short while from the most lovely lovely lady um, in our small town um, and she's a primary school teacher retired primary school teacher and she said no, I'm not an expert in dyslexia but actually she she built up such a good relationship with him that actually that also was really valued and he had a very positive um, view of English because of that but the expert help came when we needed it you know as he was older primary age and then through to GCSE so having something mean, the council the council would say we will pay for every child to be assessed by you know ed cycle or dyslexia center or something that would be fantastic and to give extra lessons because I think that is helpful um yeah I think those would be the two the two things that would be really nice <laughs> <laughs> we can dream on can't we we can, we can dream yeah <laughs> Now you've touched yeah. a little bit about on, on exams a little bit and I was going to ask you a bit more about that. Um, I, I don't know, the, the whole dyslexia thing, you might, you might 
parents who've just discovered their children dyslexic or are still considering that you know this this is a possibility they might feel a sense of of dismay or concern about the prospects for their children and whether they're actually going to achieve anything and whether they're going to be able to acquire the, the qualifications they need and that sort of thing so you have talked a little bit about exams do you do you think so it's possible for dyslexics to take exams that's the first thing but how does how did that all come about how does how can you make that work you are such good questions <laughs> I think it depends. It, dyslexia is a, like a huge range that one of his teachers described it as like a seesaw kind of thing. And so you can have, have students who are just really fairly mildly dyslexic and in which case, you know, with, with the right kind of style of learning and lots of maybe a bit of extra time, um, they can actually sit exams and be absolutely fine and on an equal level with everybody else and they can write it or maybe type it themselves um, and, you know, completely fine and then to the other extreme where actually you know still as teenagers it's they're so dyslexic so hard decoding it's actually quite difficult to read a bus timetable you know things that actually make it really quite difficult for everyday life so it's a huge huge array and certainly as our, our son as I said is, is on the on the severe side but not as heavily as many on the severe side so for him we did do you you can you can get kind of um extra time 25 percent extra time and also a scribe um, in exams for GCSEs. For some kids, that would absolutely be the right thing. Um, we did with um, my son, we did do while he was, I think, 14, 15, we did do a couple of GCSEs, but actually it was so, so hard for him and his older brother having absolutely flown through and it was just unfair. And and I, I think I, we're surrounded by everybody generally around us where we live, all goes to school. and <laughs> It was just a thing to do. And I think I'd fought so many battles trying to do things differently. I just thought I'm not going to get away with this one. <laughs> We're just going to have to try to go with it for a bit. So he did sit two exams, um, you know, it was okay. But then I prayed and prayed and um, there was, a, I found out about a course in our local college called an early college transfer, which is basically for students in year 10 um, so rather than sitting, no, in year 11, so rather than sitting GCSEs, they go and they do um, a level one in whatever vocational subject they want to. And he had actually, our son had done a, um, a, a links course one afternoon a week at this college in Carpentry in General Building, because he's you know, quite a practical soul. And he had loved that. He had really enjoyed it. So the, all the places were full on this early college transfer. But amazingly, the, the, uh, the teacher who was kind of head of it had seen Joe and he had said he'd got such a great character and he'd done so well that he would create a place for him wherever he wanted whichever area he wanted uh, which was just you know it's music to a home-ed mother's heart that he got a place on his character rather than anything else so he he started in year 11 doing this level one in carpentry and joinery which he absolutely loved and he had to go there in the bus every morning um it's quite a long journey and it was just he just loved it and it was they were all older than him a lot of banter going on um, I'm quite sure his vocabulary increased by <laughs> tenfold <laughs> but he but because he's he's strong he's resilient um, he's outward going you know the, t the teachers were, were great actually and he just absolutely it was it was great it was a fantastic year for him and because he was a year younger than everybody else they very much looked after him he had a, a support lesson once a, once a fortnight with somebody to help through his dyslexia so it meant that he got a level one in carpentry and joinery um, and then he then decided he wanted to go and change into a sports course because with a view to work and do all the outdoors pursuits and so 
he then transferred and did a level two sports um, which was a bit more academic so um, that was equivalent of sort of the five GCSEs and he's actually just today got his he's got his results he got a sip of paper food and he got distinction star distinction star are just amazing and he worked his socks off all during lockdown they had to completely do a load of different assignments because all the assignments they had been working on had to do with work experience and obviously they couldn't do that anymore so he was writing huge huge um assignments but because it's all um because the btech was was all at that level was all written he could take he spent hours on it but he had hours and so it was a very good way of assessing him and he's now doing a level three BTEC in sports and exercise science, which will give him the equivalent of three A levels. So if he wants to go the university route, then he'll be able to do that. So um, and there will be some examined components, but actually also quite a lot of it is still um, will be assignments as well. I guess it really just depends on your student, on your child and to the level of their dyslexia. But there definitely are other ways of getting qualifications that you need for life um, without having to do GCSEs and certainly with our daughter uh, you know I'll very much see at the time whether or not GCSEs is the right route for her and I'm kind of doubting it will be I think probably a vocational qualification will be and and thank goodness our colleges you can do that in the UK. So have you got sort of a little section of top tips for for families just starting out down this route discovering that their child is dyslexic have you got some key things you'd like to say to those families i think just don't worry it's too too hugely to be honest see all the positive see all the positive things your children do um, and focus on those get help get the help that you need um, to, to, to enable them to be able to learn to read and write to the to level that they need to be able to and there are there are different tech things you can use as well but but actually to, to see it as a positive you know that there will be things that they can do that actually other students can't do i think um gchq apparently really um, proactively like to recruit dyslexic workers because actually they make up codes that nobody else can think of because <laughs> they think in such a different way so you know so see especially when they're young you know, they'll, they'll hit the hard times when they get older but when they're young as much positiveness as you can put into them about you know this is just the way your brain works and it's great because you know you'll think of other things and you know we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get by with this you know we'll, we'll get by with this learning to read so really being positive and and try to be as chilled about it as you can but and then also to get if you, you know can get an audible subscription or loads of audiobooks in the library um, and just listen and listen and listen to as many stories um, and as many books as they possibly can as well as reading aloud to them um, and get that really good language into them. Well, thank you so much for sharing and I think you've you've obviously as a family and as a mum you've got a very positive attitude to your children's um, dyslexia and I think what you've said has been encouraging and I hope other mums and other listeners have found that useful to help help them um, as they think about their families too. It's great to be able to speak to you today and we'll be back again soon with another episode. So for Molly and me, cheerio.